Hi, I'm Julie. And I'm Lisa. And this is Two Sober Chicks. Thanks a lot for joining us in this succession of podcasts devoted to the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are going through steps one through 12, and today we're on to step two. We welcome you to step two. Thanks a lot for the topic suggestion, which has been suggested by more than just a few of you. Um, So we decided to tackle it and uh, go through each step because we are on a little retreat, just the two of us. Perfect time to sit down and uh, record our thoughts. Yes. So here we go. So here we we go. Without further ado, step two, which is in the discernment steps. One, two, three are the discernment steps. And step two is came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Mm. And the simplified translation is, started to realize that someone or something, i.e. a power, bigger than me could help. And the spiritual principle is hope. Okay. Um, I think too, we often hear this in the rooms, uh, especially from atheists or agnostic who come in, uh, they feel a little, they feel hopeless when Mm -hmm. they hear this step at first because they think I don't believe in God or I don't believe in organized religion. Mm -hmm. So how am I ever going to get sober? Yeah. I thought it was fucked. (laughs) I was like, great. Can't even make it past step two. (laughs) Failed already. All right. See you later. (laughs) I'm out. Um, and that is common. And so good news. You're not alone. You're not the only one who ever felt this way. Mm-hmm. And they actually have a whole chapter dedicated just to you in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's called We Agnostics. Mm-hmm. And it talks about that coming to believe process and about other things that you might uh, equate um, to like back then, you know, maybe electricity was still somewhat new, right? And mm-hmm. they were like, well, not everybody knew how it worked. Not everybody was an electrician. Not everybody studied science. So maybe they didn't know how currents travel from one point to the next point. And, uh, so that was an analogy that they used about how you just flip on a switch. You just flip the switch and you trust that the light's going to turn on. Yeah. Um, So it's about understanding that you can believe in something greater than yourself. And again, it goes back, I think, to that ideology that my power is what got me here Mm -hmm. and my life had become unmanageable, that I am powerless over alcohol, that it is a power greater than me. Another way of looking at it is I relied on alcohol as a powerful solution to my problems And then it turned on me like a fucking boomerang and cut me to ribbons and stopped working. So it worked for a while Mm -hmm. for some of us. For some people, it didn't work at all. Just right from the gate, they were fucked. But for some of us, it worked for a little bit. It seemed to work. Mm -hmm. You know, it seemed to alleviate pain. It seemed to alleviate frustration or anger or love troubles, relationship troubles, um, a social lubricant for some people. Well, sexual lubricant for others (laughs) made me loose. I'll tell you that (laughs) didn't matter who you were. (laughs) If I was lonely, you were good enough. Come on in. Yep. Well, we can like step two is very easy to read through the lens of our addiction. Mm -hmm. Like came to believe that drugs could restore us to sanity, came to believe that alcohol could restore us to sanity. That was always my go-to. So we have proven over and over again, we believe that other things can have an effect on us, can restore us to sanity, can take away the loneliness, can deal with our anxiety, can whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's not a matter of 
coming to believe necessarily. It's coming to believe in something different than what we're already accustomed to. Right. And it sounds more daunting than it really is. But the usually the reason I love why step two spiritual principle is, is hope is because after step one, we can be in a really dark place. Mm. Like, okay, great. Yeah. I'm fucked. Now what? Yes. Well, good thing hope comes after. And then we just have to learn how to incorporate that into our life. Um, you can make AA your higher power. They are a fellowship of people that either don't drink or are making great efforts not to drink and are doing so successfully Mm -hmm. and living good lives. And we look a lot of times as newcomers at people in the fellowship and don't know how they're living that way. And don't believe them. When they claim to be alcoholics and addicts. Yes. But um, it talks about a power greater than ourselves. To me, if there's a power greater than ourselves, there's got to be a power that's a lower power. I often see my alcoholism as a lower power mm-hmm. because in engaging with it, it brought me to lower parts of myself right. and I did more and more depraved things. So I had no problem worshiping that lower power. It's just a matter of reallocating it to a higher power. Um, my pastor once said, a false God will always enslave you. Booze was my God. Mm-hmm. I wor- bowed at the altar and I worshiped it. And guess what? It always wanted gradually more of me and my life and took away all the good stuff. Took more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a higher power sets you free. And a higher power gives you back things like freedom, grace, mm-hmm. um, humility. Um, what's another word I was looking for? Peace. Peace, serenity. Yes, that's yeah. so good. Honor. I can tell you that I found I felt dishonorable. Yeah. In in my addiction, but with being sober, I feel like a more honorable person. I have a higher set of values and I, ideals that I try to uphold and I try to live to. And I'm a human being and I'm fallible and I have mistakes, but it doesn't mean I have to throw myself off a bridge every time I make a mistake or give up. I can keep striving for those higher ideals. I like that. This is a piece of paper moment that you've just brought to the front. Okay. So if you need a piece of paper and a pen, go get one, pause, and we'll, we'll be here for you. Um, writing down on a piece of paper. I love it. Like, okay, so alcoholism in terms of power. what does it give me in terms of power? Okay. And what does it not give me in terms of power? Because I think it's naive. Like when I used to volunteer at a session called pros and cons in treatment for new clients. Mm -hmm. And we would go through the pros and cons of addiction. And clients were shocked because they thought that they would come here and we would all be like, okay, addiction, bad, recovery, good, let's go. (laughs) But there was a payoff for a long time. Mm -hmm. Like it made me feel good. I was able Mm -hmm. to socialize. I could get the job done. I could whatever. So write down on a piece of paper your alcoholism or whatever your addiction is, behaviors, gambling, shopping, drugs, sex, sex and love, whatever, Mm -hmm. and write down what you get as a result of it. Right. And see how that goes for you. Make a column on one side, pros and cons of recovery, pros and cons of addiction. Right. Okay. I think that's a cool way to look at it. Yeah, that is. Good. What were some things on yours for pros? Of addiction or recovery? Addiction. Um, it quieted the voices in my head. Mm. It made me kinder on myself. 
It made me able to be affectionate with my stepdaughter because I was so blocked off due to my own childhood of how to interact with kids. It was very uncomfortable for me to even like hold her hand or give her a hug. And so when my defenses came down as a result of drinking, I could cuddle with her. Yeah. Um, That was a big thing for me Mm -hmm. to do. Um, It gave me more energy sometimes. It brought more enjoyment. Music sounded better. Food tasted better. I was prettier. I was smarter. Yeah. It made me sophisticated. I could go out with my husband and go to corporate events and talk the talk when it came to like wine and whiskey and sherry and port. And it made me feel fancy and sophisticated and rich. And then... (laughs) And then all of those things that I looked to it for pulled out from underneath me and used them as weapons against me because now in order to have all of those things, I had to drink, but now I was suffering greater and greater consequences. I became more depressed, more anxious. I resented my stepdaughter. I couldn't actually be in environments to entertain anymore because I'd have to drink to even get there. So now I'm not sophisticated and classy and smart and pretty. (laughs) I'm that bitch in the corner that's like a mascara running down my face and paranoid and like sloppy and flirting with other men and having to be carried out and... Yeah. (laughs) Starting fights with people. Yes. Yeah. Great. Those are some great... I love that. And that's your... It was... It had a lot of pros, but then suddenly the pros start to change into cons. It's like the best friend that turns into your frenemy or the the perfect guy that turns into the abusive boyfriend. Like it will turn... It talks in our big book about like almost like a boomerang and it turns midair and comes and shreds us into pieces. Mm-hmm. I think that's a direct... Cuts us to ribbons. It's a direct quote. Yeah. Yes. Good stuff. All right. So hopefully this helps you write that down. Um, anything else? What else? Um, I, I think it's important to stay in step two and work on step two without making a step two in light of step three. I think you need to stay in your lane on each step. So for me, thank God I stayed in step two because if I would have looked at step three, I would have been like, I'm out, I'm done. Mm -hmm. So just stay in the step you're at. There is a mini step before each of the steps and it's praying for the willingness or the ability to do the next step because step one, step two, step all of them can be very daunting. Like maybe I don't want to come to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity. That's okay. Your pre-step is to pray to have the willingness or the ability to do a step two. And maybe you need to go back to step one and look at that list and remind yourself, why am I here? What did I want? Was I willing to go to any length? I said I was willing to go to any length. Yeah. I had to be reminded of that a lot by my sponsor who said, you told me that you were willing to go to any lengths. But yet when I tell you that maybe you need to pray and ask for some direction, you say, I don't believe in God. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I'm not asking you to fucking believe in anything. I don't care what you believe in. I asked you to do something. Mm-hmm. Do it. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I did say I was willing. So it's about what am I willing to do? So then I would say, you know, and I've heard people say, oh, I, I prayed to a pen or I prayed to a spot on the wall. And for me, that doesn't work because that's just an inanimate object. That's just a thing. I had to believe, I had to come to believe in something, an energy Uh, And like you said, it could start as the group. Here are a group of people who behaved like I behaved. They were cut to ribbons like I was cut to ribbons. Their life had definitely become unmanageable. I've heard their stories of loss. I've heard their stories of suffering, their stories of depression, of anger, of unmanageability. 
And now here they are standing before me and they are not that person anymore. They behave differently Mm -hmm. and they have what I want. They have the ability to handle life, which I clearly was unable to handle without another substance, without Mm -hmm. a power. And we believe them. Like there's something that rings true about these people. And like anything, if you hang around long enough somewhere, you'll really get to know if someone's just talking the talk or walking the talk. Mm-hmm. And there, to me, the, from day one, there was an undeniable joy and compassion and support network in those rooms. Mm-hmm. Like people were welcoming me like I had done something extraordinary. And all I'd really done is showed up and yeah. been a wreck. Yeah. So, but I do know your sponsor has talked about this, praying to a spot on the wall. If that's where you start, start there. If that's where you stay, stay there. Because even praying to that spot on the wall is going outside of you somewhere else. And that's the key, leaving yourself just for a second to connect with something else. Most people move into other, like spirituality is beautiful and fluid. There's no limit to it. So we almost always, the story changes and morphs and we go further. And and we have, that's why it's come to believe it's a process. Yeah. I think it's a, and it can be a gradual process. Um, sometimes we read in the big book, we hear about Bill's story and uh, where he had this like flash of light and he heard the voice that's saying, bush who are you to say there is no God? You know, that's his experience. That's one person's experience. And sure, I've heard of dozens of other people who have had very similar experiences. Yep. But that doesn't mean that's all of our experience. That wasn't my experience. That wasn't how it happened for me. For mm-hmm. me, it was very slow. Me too. And gradual. Um, so I needed time. Um, and it's interesting that we demand evidence because there's a lot of things that, you know, (laughs) there is no evidence to. No, like try and figure out why you're an alcoholic and perhaps your family isn't or your sibling isn't. Mm -hmm. Um, you'll never figure that out. You will never figure that out. Yeah. So we just have to be open to mystery in life period. If you have any sort of spirituality or faith base, you have to be open to that. Mm -hmm. If you're not... You can go to an um, an AA agnostics meeting and see how they do it. But just suspend your belief. Just go through the steps one time. Suspend your belief Mm -hmm. and pretend that somebody else has got something that might work for you and see how that goes. And if it doesn't, explore your options. Like, we're not going to tell you how to do it. This is just my own personal opinion. But those meetings are for people like myself, who I was, when I came in and I was obstinate and I still wanted to do things my way. For me, I'm glad Uh, that I didn't go to those meetings. I did think about it because I don't think I ever would have been open-minded enough to find a power greater than myself. If I had gone to those meetings, I would have stayed stuck in that place of not being open-minded and Mm -hmm. willing. That's just my personal opinion. And if it works for you, that's great. And you're an agnostic and you're sober. I'm so happy for you. I'm just saying for me, I'm kind of glad that I never, I thought about going to those meetings, but for me, it was that key about being open-minded. Yeah. For me, if I had gone there, that would have been me hanging on to my old will and my old ways, my old ideas and my old thinking. And so I'm glad it turned out the way it did. And, you know, I think too, like I was one of those people who got hung up on Oh, I'd go to a meeting, and if you said the Lord's Prayer, I was out. I was mm-hmm. not going to that group again. 
So I could accept the serenity prayer, which is funny because that's also from Christianity, Christian right? Mm-hmm. Written by a pastor. Um, but I, I don't know. I found it easier to swallow probably because I grew up hearing the Lord's Prayer. And then I, I was um, driven away from mm-hmm. organized religion as a youth. Uh, and so when I heard that in meetings, I had this obstinacy about me and I wasn't okay with it and I didn't want to hear it. And I would argue and say, they say this isn't a religious program, Mm -hmm. but here we're hearing these fucking Christian prayers. I said the same thing. So I want people who are um, agnostic, atheist, uh, believe in Allah, uh, believe in Buddha, believe in Krishna, whatever it is you believe in. Mother Earth, nature. I love the indigenous meetings where they they do the, um, what's the incense called? The smudging. Smudging. You know, and they pray to the Creator and the Mother Earth. It's beautiful. And the Serenity Prayer I've heard in the First Nations meetings ends with, uh, or incorporates, "May I never judge another man until I walk a mile in his moccasins." moccasins. I'm wearing moccasins right now. <laughs> They're very cute. <laughs> I need to go put my woolly socks on. It's getting chilly in here again. Um, yeah. So just be open-minded, and that power doesn't have to be. It is not a religious program, but we have borrowed because. The program was designed by guys who were getting stuff from Christianity. Yeah. So, of course, it's using some of those tenets, some of those principles, and some of those concepts. Um, But you can say a different prayer at the end if you want. Um, Sometimes what I do when I go to those meetings, uh, I know the Lord's Prayer, but I don't say it. Because if you're in that meeting and you're new and you're looking around the room, I want you to see me. I want you to look across the room and see me smiling at peace and go, okay, well, hey, she's not saying that prayer. And she's sober and she's here, so maybe I can stay. Yeah. Stay long enough for the miracle to happen for yeah. you. And we'll get more into defining um, God as we understand him in step three. All right. Thanks very much. Good step two. If you have any more questions, uh, thoughts, please send them to us at the number two sober chicks at gmail.com and we'll join you in step three click play on the next podcast thanks for joining me i'm lisa i'm julie and this has been two sober chicks